case I haven't had the pleasure to meet you, I'm John Burwell. I was the rector here, the Chris Warner here, if you wish. I was rector from 1987 to 2015. That is a long time. I retired from Holy Cross four years ago, and since the day I left, I've been the rector of the Church of the Redeemer in Orangeburg. If you're ever in the Orangeburg area on a Sunday morning, do drop by. We'll make you feel right at home, as Joel Osteen would say. We'll make you feel right at home. In today's sermon, we uh, continue the We Believe series on the Christian creed. The uh, part that I have the honor of preaching on is the death of Jesus. The part is right down here, right past the gospel lesson, the part that I'm doing. It says, for our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. So let's talk about his death, his death on that. The gospel lesson covers the how. Suffice it to say that Jesus died the absolute worst death that anybody could ever die, anybody could suffer through, crucifixion. They nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and let him hang there for six hours until the suffering caused him to suffocate. That's the how. I want to talk about the why this morning. Why is it that for our sake he was crucified under a Roman official, under a Roman official's approval, and suffered death and was buried? Why is Jesus' death so central to the Christian faith? Most leaders who have influenced nations or even changed the world, most leaders are remembered for the impact of their lives. But Jesus, Jesus, who changed the face of the entire world and changed history more than anyone else, Jesus is remembered not so much for his life, but for his death. Why? Why is there such a focus on the death of Jesus? To begin to answer the question, we have to go back and look at the greatest problem that confronts each and every individual. That's called sin. S-I-N. Sin separates us from God. My sin causes a chasm between God and me. Sin cuts us off from having a relationship with God. And make no mistake about it, the very reason you were born is to have a personal, living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants to be like this with you, like this with you. That's what God wants. Sin, on the other hand, does this. It destroys our relationship. It tears us apart. What in the world is sin anyway? What is sin? Everybody's got their list. I used to have a list. My list went, you know, don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke or chew, and don't run around with girls who do. Y'all remember that one, don't you? <laughs> Everybody's got their list, and what you've got on your list, what you think is sin, I've got mine, and my sins are not nearly as bad as yours, not just for sure, but uh, really that's not it at all. Get this. Sin is an attitude. You ever thought about it that way? Sin is an attitude. It's not something that you do. It's an attitude you have. What is the middle letter of sin? What is the middle letter of sin? What's the middle letter of pride? Exactly. Sin is an I problem. It's I want to be my own boss. I don't need God. I'm doing just fine by myself. Thank you very much. God, you do your thing. I'll do mine. That's sin. Sin is saying, God, I know what will make me happy. In fact, I know better than you because I'm here. You're not. And, 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 and I know what I want to do. 
And I know you told me to do certain things, God, but I'm just going to ignore that because I know more than you do, God. I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. It's my life and I'll do what I want. That's called sin. The Bible says that every single one of us has had that attitude at one time or another. Now you think about it, you've had that attitude at one time or another. I know you have. Every one of us have. That attitude causes this. It causes us to be separated from God. That's why when you pray, you feel like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling because they are. There's a separation between you and God. Every one of your problems is caused by sin, by the separation from God. Every single one of them. Sin causes confusion in your life. Sin causes guilt. It causes shame. Sin causes regret. It causes bitterness. It causes resentment. It causes grudges. Sin causes worry. Sin causes fear. Sin causes anxiety. Sin causes depression. Sin causes discouragement. It causes emptiness. It causes despair. Sin causes conflict between you and other people. Every single one of your problems is caused by sin. Caused because you're not connected to God. You're like this. You're separated by your own sin. I'm going to do my own thing. That separation is the reason that Jesus Christ died for you. Second lesson, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There it is. Sin is an attitude. Then too, sin is addictive. Those things we do wrong have an addictive power. Have you noticed? If we do something wrong, it has the propensity to get a grip on us. Just like if you take Oxycontin for pain and you find that you can't stop taking it, or you, you take a drink of alcohol and you realize that you can't stop with one glass, sin is like that. Sin is addictive like that. It is possible to be addicted to bad temper. It's possible to be addicted to envy and arrogance and pride and selfishness. We can become addicted to patterns of thought or behavior, which on our own we cannot break. People get addicted to alcohol and drugs and they often think, I can give that up. But when they try, they, they find it's harder than they thought. Sin is like that. Oh, I can quit doing this. And you can't. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? That's the addictive power of sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to break that addiction for you. On your own, you can't. The good news is God can and does Romans 5, verse 6, while we were still weak. Some translations say while we were still powerless. I like that because that's me. While we were powerless to do anything about our sins, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. That would be me. A while back, a guy gave me a copy of a prayer that speaks to this. The prayer says, dear God, I've done all right so far today. I haven't lost my temper, envied, I haven't been greedy, I haven't been angry, arrogant, I haven't been self-indulgent, and for that I give you thanks, God. But God, in a few minutes I'm going to get out of bed and then I'm really going to need you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> sin is an attitude and sin is addictive. On our own we cannot not sin. And again, sin separates us from God. It erects a barrier between us. So we're cut off from God. God seems miles away. 
the definition of hell, the very definition of hell is what it's all about. The definition of hell in the Bible is to be cut off from God eternally. Billy Graham used to say it's a fact. You are going to live forever. The question is, where are you going to live forever? Beloved, make no mistake about it. If you live a godless life, expect to live a godless eternity. I tell you, if you spend your life telling God to leave you alone, He will. He will. He'll grant you an eternity without God and without hope. That is hell. And that is the awful truth of sin. Now, I know all this sounds depressing, but what it does is speak to the need that each one of us, you and I, have. We have a need for a Savior. What would you say is humanity's greatest need? Humanity's greatest need is not for happiness. Humanity's greatest need is not for education, not for jobs, not for money. Humanity's greatest need is some way of dealing with this little problem of this little word S-I-N in our lives, dealing with it. And the more, appreciate, the more that we appreciate that we need it, the more we'll appreciate why Jesus died. The more we'll appreciate what Jesus did for each of us on that cross. And that has to, and that brings us to what he did, to what God has done, to why Jesus died. That why has to do with self-substitution. The good news of Christianity is that God loves us so much that he would not leave us in the mess that we make of our own lives. God has done something about humanity's greatest need. God came to earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die sacrificially so that we could live with him forever. Isaiah 53, the first lesson the prophet tells us about this self-substitution, beginning at verse 4, look at this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds we were healed. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Before Jesus came, the Israelites had a very specific way of dealing with sin. They did it through animal sacrifice. In a typical case, a sinner would take an animal. The animal was to be, as, to be unblemished, to be as nearly perfect as possible. And the sinner would lay his or her hands on the animal and confess his sins. That's what, that's what it means to be laying the iniquity upon him. They would lay the iniquity upon the animal. In doing so, the sins seemed to pass from the sinner into the animal. And the animal was then killed, and the blood of the animal was said to wash clean the person's sin. Problem is, it didn't. At least not for long, anyway. But God sent his son to have the sin of the entire world laid upon him. During his life, Jesus never sinned. He was the only person ever born that never sinned, not even once in his entire life. He was unblemished. And the Lamb of God had the sins of the whole world, the sins of the past, the present, and the future, the sins laid upon him. During his agony on the cross, Jesus felt separation from God for the first time. Separation. That's why he called out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He felt forsaken. Jesus came to earth to be our sacrificial lamb. He endured the unthinkable agony of the cross for you and me. 
God, through his self-substitution, presented himself as a sacrificial atonement for us. Jesus came to be our sacrificial lamb. He endured the agony of the cross for us. He died so we could live forever. No animal could ever do that. He's our atoning sacrifice. The perfect offering, as the Book of Common Prayer says. That's why Jesus died for us. He died for you. He died to take away your sins. You are justified, that is, made right with God by the blood which was shed for you. That's why Jesus died. And the result? This is the result. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God through his death on the cross. Two minutes ago I asked you, and it was two minutes if you're timing this, it was two minutes ago I asked you what was humanity's greatest need? Remember what humanity's greatest need was? It's a need to deal with the problem of sin and the separation of God that causes sin. You know what humanity's greatest tragedy is? I can only tell you that from God's perspective, life's greatest tragedy are those people who die in their sins. Forget car wrecks or plane crashes or natural disasters. The ultimate disaster is carrying your sins to the casket. Heaven can't fathom a greater tragedy. And heaven can offer a greater gift than Jesus Christ crucified. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. That suffering was for you. It was for you if you want it. Did you hear me? It was only for you if you want it. I'm asking you, will you accept this truth and believe what Jesus Christ had done for you? Will you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and your Savior? Or will you turn back again, if that may be the case? If you're unsure about whether or not you've ever believed in Jesus and you want to make sure of it, give that man a call. Give Trevor a call. He'll come and see you if you like. Or come see me up in Orangeburg. It's about 90 minutes that way. Love to see you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time this morning. May God bless you mightily for his blessings to us and for his saving us through Christ's death on the cross. We can all say thanks be to God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.